following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
The angel carried me away in the spirit into a desert. And there I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold and precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The title was written on her forehead. Mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore the testimony of Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. And then the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? I'll explain to you the mystery of the woman. This mystery woman is called Babylon. I want to talk with you about our response to Babylon and the beast power. Now, let's be clear. This beast power is controlled by demonic powers, by the dragon, by Satan, by the devil. And this earthly power we now call by different names. No one in the news media will refer to Babylon the Great. But we have to be clear about what Babylon is. Now, I'm not going to share with you my own personal definitions of Babylon. She is still a mystery. But she is beginning to form in a way that we can look and identify and see what the beast power is bringing to pass. We call them today globalist. We call them one world government. We call them the deep state. We call them the swamp. They are of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and they hate Jesus, and they hate Christians. They are ungodly sinners. They are communists. They are dictators. They hate Jesus Christ. These powers are forming even as we are speaking. And they are forming very rapidly. And they are utterly demonic and dark. Our nation is being taken over by this power. A power that gets excited about murdering babies and abortions. 
a power that that denies the reality of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I need to talk today not so much about who Babylon is, although I'm going to come back to Babylon in just a few minutes. I want to talk with you about what our response needs to be to Babylon. Babylon will advance its agenda step by step. It will seem all very, very right. COVID-19 is a part of that Babylonian power forming itself. You will find certain airlines saying you cannot fly on our airline unless you have a pass for COVID-19. All of it is simply a control mechanism. The masks, all of this is a part of the control mechanism that is being exercised over the whole Western world and over the rest of the world, like China, Iran, and other nations. This will be a one-world government exercising great power and great persecution of the Christian church. We see this happening now. In some parts of the country, for example, in China, you are not allowed to buy, sell, publish, read, have in your possession a Bible. Now, China publishes Bibles, but they send them, they send them to America to sell, or they send them to other parts of the world. But Chinese people are not allowed to have them. Churches are being burned and destroyed. People are being put in prison and executed. This is all a part of this one-world government. And when you hear government leaders lauding China's security measures, know that you're listening to an American who is forwarding Babylon and is a part of Babylon. There are only two powers. The power of the beast the dragon and his cohorts, including the globalist one-world government and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of our God. They are in fierce battle, even as I speak with you. Now, in the book of Ezra... I want to address an event that took place. Ezra was a priest of God. He was a teacher. He was a direct descendant of Aaron. And he went to Babylon with the permission, with the approval of the king of Babylon. The king granted him everything he asked for. Great sums of silver and gold and many other supplies that they needed in Jerusalem. Also, he brought with him many other people, including Levites, to function 
in the temple that they were building. Now, the hand of God was on Ezra. He was a holy man, a righteous man. Now, when he got there, they just celebrated the opening of the newly built temple. They dedicated the house of God, and there was great joy in the land. They celebrated a Passover. For seven days, they celebrated with joy the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Lord filled them with such great joy and excitement, they were once more in their land promised them by Jesus. Now, after Ezra arrives, and he begins to speak with the people, we find in chapter 9, These words, the leaders came to him and said, The people of Israel, including the priests and the Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the neighboring peoples with their detestable practices. Like those of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites, the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Egyptians and the Ammonites. They've taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons, and they have mingled the holy race with the people around them. And the leaders and the officials have led the way in this unfaithfulness. Well, when Ezra heard this, he tore his cloak. He began to pull on his hair. He pulled out large clumps of hair from his head and his beard. He sat down. He was utterly appalled. And then everyone who trembled at the words of God of Israel gathered around him. People who were upset about this wickedness gathered together with with Ezra. And he sat in just silence. He couldn't believe what he'd been told. It was It was stunning to him. At the evening sacrifice, he rose from his self-abasement with his tunic and his cloak torn, and he fell on his knees with his hands spread out to the Lord God of heaven, and he prayed this prayer. Oh, my God, I am too ashamed and disgraced to lift up my face to you. My God. Our sins are higher than our heads, and our guilt has reached to the heavens. From the days of our forefathers until now, our guilt has been great because of our sin. We and our kings and our priests have been subject to the sword and in captivity and to pillage and to humiliation at the hand of foreign kings as it is today. But now for a brief moment, The Lord our God has been gracious in leaving us a remnant and giving us a firm place in his sanctuary. And so our God gives light to our eyes and a little relief in our bondage. Though we are slaves, our God has not deserted us in our bondage. He has shown us kindness in the sight of the king of Persia 
He has granted us new life to rebuild the house of our God and repair its ruins, and he's given us a wall of protection in Judah and Jerusalem. But now, O our God, what can we say after this? For we have disregarded the command you gave through your servant the prophets when you said, The land you're entering to possess is a land polluted by the corruption of its people. By their detestable practices, they have filled it with their impurity from one end to the other. Therefore, do not give your daughters in marriage to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them at any time that you may be strong and eat the good things of the land and leave it to your children as an everlasting inheritance. What has happened to us is a result of our evil deeds and our great guilt. And yet, our God, you have punished us less than our sins have deserved and have given us a remnant like this. Shall we again break your commands and intermarry with the people who commit such detestable practices? Would you not be angry enough with us to destroy us, leaving us no remnant or survivor? O Lord, God of Israel, you are righteous. We are left this day as a remnant. Here we are before you in our guilt. Though because of it, not one of us can stand in your presence. And while Ezra was praying and confessing and weeping, He threw himself down on the ground before the house of God. He was weeping and wailing. Men and women and children from Israel gathered around him, and they too joined him, and they wept bitterly. And then they came up with a solution. Let's deal with the people who've done this wicked thing. And then they called for fast. No food, no drink, no water. As they continued to mourn and wail about their unfaithfulness. I share that brief part to raise a question. As you see, the globalist marshalling their power as you see the one world government beginning to form as you see Christians around the world beginning to be executed and punished and having everything they possess taken from them what should our response be to this incredible movement of the devil to destroy the Christian church and to destroy the kingdom of God on the earth. Now I have to confess to you, I've not known how to pray about this. I have been praying. I've been weeping before God over this. I've been crying out and saying, Lord, I don't even know how to begin. This is so big. This is so evil. It is so ugly. I don't know how to even begin to pray about this. So all I can do is fast and pray as I can. But then I look at the church in America, and I see the church in America buys into the lie 
that allows them to compromise with the one world government. Many Christians voted for a man, for President of the United States, who is totally in favor of the murder of babies. I mean, he has nothing on garbles from the Nazi era. Planned Parenthood is prospering. Funding has just been restored. They are going to go wide open again with the eugenics against the black people, people of color, Spanish. The founder of Planned Parenthood hated people of color. And yet those same people of color voted for a president who funds them. How evil is that? I don't see how a Christian can even act like that. We look at all the other things that are happening, the scorning of religion in the in the marketplace, being taken off Facebook, being taken off Twitter, being taken off social media. You have to stop and say, wait a minute, what's happening? Why is why is this happening? How is it possible? How is it possible that in Virginia and in many other parts of the country, boys are allowed to call themselves girls and go into the dressing room with the girls? How is it possible that men can call themselves women? How is it possible that there are more than two genders, a man and a woman? created in the image of God. But the New World Order, the global the global governance, the United Nations, they're all saying, no, 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 no. Marriage can be between a, a man and a man. No, it can't be. God invented marriage. He created it. You can have a civil union, but don't call it marriage. It's not. Churches in America, the Methodist Church, the United Methodist Church, opening its doors to this wickedness. Ezra dealt with it by rolling on the ground, tearing his clothes, pulling his hair out, weeping and wailing at the top of his lungs. Most of us have become so accustomed to the evil, however, that our response is, it's wrong, but what can I do about it? The church is lukewarm. The church in America has lost its fervor for Jesus. It has lost, can I say it? It's lost its saltiness, and it's good for nothing except to be thrown out on the manure pile. And it's not even worth going in the manure pile. Just throw it out on the street where people will walk on it as a path. The American church is scorned. Now, I hear people saying, a great revival's coming, a great revival's coming. I believe it. I know it's true. A revival is coming. 
But the entrance into revival is repentance. And we're going to have to deal, as Ezra dealt, with the wickedness of his people, with great weeping and sadness and turning aside from our evil ways as a church. Now, there's another scripture that I want to share with you quickly. It's the story of Esther. Sometime I'm going to come back and tell the whole story of Esther, but today I want to just focus on one very small part of Esther's story. She had been adopted by Mordecai, and Mordecai had forbidden her to speak of her heritage as a Jewish person, and the name Esther was an an Egyptian name, not a Hebrew name. They were, Mordecai had, had been taken captive by Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar and had been taken into captivity in Babylon. And now there's been a change of kings and the king has difficulty with Vashti, his wife, his queen. She does not honor him by appearing as a beauty queen before his drunken associates. And so he divorces her and he calls for the beautiful women to be brought in from all over the kingdom and put in his harem. And the one that pleased him the most, he would make his new queen. Well, Esther was a very beautiful woman, a young woman, unmarried. And so she was taken. She was placed in the harem. Immediately, she gained the favor of the eunuch who was in charge of her. And he began her beauty treatments. It was required that one year of beauty treatments be given. So, in this whole process, Mordecai will not honor this wicked man, Haman. Haman was from those who had attacked Israel on the way into the promised land. He was an Agite. And there was no way Mordecai was going to bow to this very powerful second-in-command in the kingdom. So Mordecai scorned the idea of just having Mordecai killed. Instead, he decided he would find a way to destroy all the Jewish people. This man was a forerunner of the beast power. So he went to the king, King Xerxes, 
And he said, there's a certain people dispersed and scattered among the peoples in all the province of your kingdom whose customs are different from those of all other people and who do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will put 10,000 talents of silver in the royal treasury. Well, that's about 375 tons. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of silver. The king took his signet ring off. He gave it to Haman. And he said, send out the announcement. Do with these people whatever pleases you. And so a date was set. A time was set. And the orders were sent out all over the provinces with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and little children, on a single day, on the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods, to take everything they have. Well, that command went out. And when Mordecai learned of this, In chapter 4 of the book of Esther, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes. He went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he only went as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. When Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. So Esther summoned one of the eunuchs and assigned him the task of going out and finding out what was happening with Mordecai. Mordecai told him everything that had happened, including the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation. He told this man to go and tell Esther to go into the king's presence and beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. There was just one problem. You could not enter the king's presence without being summoned The sentence was death unless he lowered to you the gold scepter and spared your life. It had been 30 days since she'd seen the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but what you've come to royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa, fast for me, 
Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my maids will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Now, the part I I want to focus on is Mordecai's response when he sees that he's going to have his nation destroyed all over the world and that he and his precious adopted daughter will also die. His response is to put on sackcloth and ashes, to go into the city in public wailing and weeping and crying out to God. Now, part of what is happening for us is this Babylonian power, this mystery, this mother of prostitutes, this this government that loves the abominations of the earth. Governments are becoming drunk with the blood of the saints, as in China. The blood of those who bear testimony to Jesus. Now, please hear me. This is the reality of the time in which we live. There is no longer time or space for us to be casual about the demonic advance. I hear people say, okay, we have a new president, no big deal. Nothing's going to change. Are you kidding me? It's already changing. Planned Parenthood funding restored. Other wicked things have been done to destroy America, to bring it under a one-world government, to bring it into Babylon. The deep state or the swamp hates righteousness, and is utterly corrupt to the core. We've seen this week that the stock market is completely rigged for the rich and not you or me. We've seen that the silver market is totally rigged. It's not fair. Nothing is fair. It is all corrupt. Corruption is through and through in our cultural society. We have fed on violence in the movies from Hollywood. We've been fed on murder after murder after murder. Our children have been taught a different history of this nation. We've been taught wickedness. All of this planned destruction for America. Because as long as America is strong, the one world government cannot come to power. So America must come down. And we're in the process of being taken down. 
Now, some of you will argue, yes, but we are going to come back. And yes, there's a very good possibility, according to many who prophesy, that America will have a time of revival and of godliness. And I believe that. I don't believe the time of the beast power is yet come to take over total global control. They're trying, but I believe God is blocking them. I see, however, that the church is not ready to play its part. And the part we must play is that which Esther played, Mordecai played, and Ezra played. We must come to a very serious decision. Will we lay our life down for Jesus Christ? Will we turn aside from the wicked things that constantly drain away the energy and the power of the church? Will we repent and lie in dust and ashes as these godly men did and this godly woman did, Esther? Will we begin to take that same action? Or will we continue with our prosperity teaching? Will we continue with the easy believism that you can walk in sin and, in fact, you can't leave your sin? Are we going to still believe that lie? Are we going to assign the blood of Jesus Christ no more power than that of bulls and goats in the Old Covenant? Or are we going to take a hold of this gospel of Jesus Christ and stand firmly against the one world government? There is a powerful move to go into a cashless society that will lead us directly into the mark of the beast. And some men who call themselves pastors have taught, and I've listened to them, they've taught that you can receive the mark of the beast because you cannot lose your salvation. It's a lie. But it's not enough to say it's a lie. There must be a response from our hearts to begin to fast and pray and cry and wail and call upon the Lord our God in the name of Jesus that his kingdom would not be pushed back, that his kingdom would advance in power in this nation of America and around the world. It's not time to use our time, our money, or our resources to feather our nests any further or to make our lives any more comfortable with creature comforts. It's time we join the battle for the kingdom of heaven. It's time we use our money, our time, our resources 
to encourage one another, to love one another, to build one another up in the faith, and to stand against the wickedness that is coming like a mighty flood into our nation. It's time to turn off much of the media. It's time to turn to Jesus. Now, if you're using all of your time and all of your energy to work and make money for yourself, or if you're using all of your spiritual time to struggle with your sin, you've basically been taken out of the battle. The victory is there for you over all sin. It's in the blood of Jesus Christ. Either you avail yourself of that blood and gain the victory and become, as it says in each of the letters to the seven churches, an overcomer, or the time will come when you will be swept away with the one world government, with the globalist, with the one world currency, with the deep state, with the ungodly sinners. You'll be swept away. Revelation 18, and I believe this is true now. Fallen, fallen, Babylon the Great. She's become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit. This we're going to see happen. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins. The American church is sharing in the sins of Babylon, and this must stop, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. In one day, her plagues will overtake her. Death and mourning, famine, she will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. And when the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her shared her luxury, see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her, terrified at her torment. They will stand far off and cry, Whoa, whoa, oh great city, oh Babylon, city of power. In one hour your doom has come. You realize that many, many nations have committed adultery with America. And America is going to see the judgment of God. And the word is, Come out of her, my people. That's not leave the ground of America. That's leave the wickedness of America, the institutions of wickedness. Withdraw. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargoes of gold, of silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, Purple, silk, 
scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood and articles of every kind, and the bodies and souls of men. This is coming. This will happen. And it will happen soon, and I believe it will happen in your lifetime. And it's time to respond to this. In the same way Ezra responded, in the same way Mordecai responded. This is life-threatening. Now this, I won't go into it today, but this, this harlot is going to be burned, destroyed, totally, totally devastated. I heard a a sound like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her blood the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! And the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him both great and small. Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. You want to go to that wedding? You want to be a part of that? That's a yes or no question. Five minutes. If you want to be a part of that, then you're going to have to renounce this woman drunk with the blood of the saints. You're going to have to renounce the one world government, the globalist, the abortion agenda, and everything that goes with it. You're going to have to renounce it and pull back from it and not give it your approval. Now, this woman sitting on the beast, she was destroyed. She was burned. It's time to make a decision. Will you pray? Will you cry aloud to the Lord God of heaven? Because we are facing death and destruction in America. Even as they're facing death and destruction in India, 
Saudi Arabia, Vietnam, China, and many other parts of the world. It will come to America. Now, what are we going to do? The call is to pray. I'm standing by faith for revival in this land. I will not turn aside from that. I pray for judgment unto repentance in America. But we need to look at Ezra. We need to look at Mordecai. And our actions need to be very similar. Where we give up our comfortable American lifestyle and recognize that this nation is on a crash dead-end course to destruction. Now, we're out of time for this broadcast today. Tomorrow is going to be a day of prayer. I invite you to call and pray and cry aloud to the Lord. I know... beyond any shadow of a doubt. The time of God's judgment is coming. It is very close. It has already begun. If you'd like to write to me, I'd like to hear from you. If you'd like to be a sponsor of this broadcast, you're welcome. As the Holy Spirit convicts your heart that you should give. All week long, I've dealt with dust and ashes repentance. I hope you've heard the broadcast. If you haven't, go back and listen. You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and everything will be there for you. I thank our dear brother, Ed Pugh, for making all of that possible. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. Or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Click on the upper right-hand corner and you can give online. And I thank those of you who've done this. Alicia, thank you. Dirk, thank you. So many. I can't thank you enough. God bless you, my brothers, my sisters. I look forward to hearing from you. We'll pray tomorrow. We'll talk then. God bless you.